This episode is brought to you by Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County, where convenience meets luxury. They specialize in detailing luxury vehicles, but the limits are endless. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. This episode is also brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Fair-skinned folks like myself are used to getting burned, overpaying for big sunscreens, tiny tubes every other week. It adds up, and it's inconvenient. Well, now it's a thing of the past. Meet Shamrock Sun, your new big-ass bottle of sunscreen delivered by subscription. Check them out on Instagram and at shamrocksun.com. The Eagles win, and Santa's coming to town. Let's get it. Welcome in, everybody. It's uh, it's episode 25 of Thoughts from the Shade. Coming to you a little bit later in the week, uh, thanks to the postponement of the, the Eagles-Washington game this week. But first, we'd just like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and, and Happy Holidays. Enjoy it. Be safe. Um, and yeah, Bob and I were down at the link Tuesday night to watch our beloved Eagles get another dub in the quest of the playoffs. 27-17 to win over the Washington football team. Um, I'll just throw it over to you, Bob, and say what's up, what's going on, and, and how are you feeling after after another night at the link? Feeling delightful. We had such a great experience. Um, uh, guzzling Miller Lights in the Miller Light flight tank, thanks to uh, our good friend. Uh, you know who you are, RX2 Party, the party man. We had a phenomenal evening, and great to see an Eagles win. Always great to see an Eagles win. That was my first game. Couldn't even tell you the last game that I went to, but um, I mean, we parked the car down on on South Broad Street and we got out of the car. I mean, let's just let's talk about the experience a little bit. That the vibes that were down there pregame. I mean, we got out of the car, and I don't think it was five seconds. And you're telling me there's no juice down here tonight. There's no juice. Yeah, I just I just felt like there was no juice, man. I mean, you get out and there's. There's like six helicopters and airplanes taking off a PHL and, you know, the, the you know, because it's a, it's a night game, it's dark out. You see the, the lights from the cop cars flashing and I just didn't feel like, you know, you didn't hear the music bumping. You didn't smell, like I told you last night, I don't smell the meats. You know, there wasn't a ton of tailgating down there yesterday. No, I'm with you. I mean, I'm always excited. You get down there for a night game and you see the big bright lights beaming over Lincoln Financial Field, and that gets you feeling some type of way. But, you know, that, like you said, there wasn't a ton of traffic on South Broad Street. You didn't smell the meats. There wasn't any live music really pumping in the parking lots, at least where we were at. Um, but but we stumbled into Xfinity Live, and, you know, it's it's Tuesday night. It's a, it's a rescheduled game, and, you know, the city of Philadelphia is still going to take you for a $10 cover to come into Xfinity and, and, and suck down a, a cheesesteak and a couple Mick Ultras. But, um, yeah, we got in there, and, and, and it was vibing in there a little bit. I mean, talk about the, the crowd that, that we saw in there, Bob, at this time of year as compared to maybe earlier in the season. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll jump to that, but I'll just say, like, obviously having not been in Xfinity Live for, what, two or three years? Right. Like obviously haven't been in there since um since the pandemic started. I was lost when I walked in. 
Like I, I, I turned to you. I said, "Where are the bathrooms?" I mean, that place. That place. Normally, when you're in there, you're you're three sheets of the wind. And since we were going there before the game instead of after the game, yeah, you know, I felt a little out of place. It was like a fish out of water. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been in there in a while either, but been in there enough times to know the lay of the land. <laughs> Maybe that's because I haven't consumed as much as you. Wow. But yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about it. We, we were standing in line for a sandwich and a couple beers, and we just talked about the difference between the kinds of people you're getting at these games um, in December, meaningful football in December, versus the teeny boppers, the crop toppers, the pick swappers in September and October. What you notice is it skews a bit older. Um, there's a little bit more disposable income in play. In play. Um, you, you notice that the that the, the the brown stuff flows a bit more. There's bourbon. There's whiskey. You know, it's not sucking down Trulies over in the Wells Fargo lot. Yeah, no, I I noticed that as well, and I just kind of thought to myself, like looking at this crowd. I mean, that's I, I guess that's kind of what brought me down there. Like, you'd be hard pressed to get me off my couch on a Sunday, you know, for a normal Eagles game, like I need to be locked in, you know, no distractions, no background noise, you know, a couple snacks, couple drinks, whatever, and, and complete relaxation and, and locking into the game. But it's December and yeah, it's cold. Yeah. It rained last night, but I'm down there. I'm, I'm off the couch. I get down there. We got a meaningful game to play. We're in the wild card hunt a divisional game it got rescheduled i mean you got me on the horn monday night and there's no hesitation when when the stakes are high and you know the night games always get you a little extra a little extra rowdy but i'm not going down there to sweat it out and uh lube myself up with shamrock sun in september with all the teeny boppers and the tailgaters and yeah we're gonna go down and tailgate we're gonna leave by 12 15 to go watch it at joey's house in port richmond like <laughs> you know i'm down there for one thing only and that's to bring the noise because it's december and and we're pushing here so i mean i think i'll just leave it at that in terms of uh the vibes and, and the pregame activities i always liked like because you know I've, I've had tickets for a while and you know you as you get older obviously you kind of grow out of like interacting with the college age kids but Back when we first got tickets, you know, you'd have like friends of friends who maybe were still in college. And that was like always what you just said was like always the line. It's like, oh, like like they, people would ask and they'd be like, oh, are you going in? And it's like, yeah, I'm going in. Is that even a question? I got fucking tick. What? Where are you going to watch the game? Oh, we're going back to Temple. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm at the point where like if I'm down there, it's because I'm going to the game. Like, I don't think I'm a tailgate guy anymore. Maybe that's because I'm old. Um, or, I was never a tailgate guy. I'm a yeah. tailgate guy if I'm going to the game. You're not going to catch me down there. To, like, I'm a, a big enough sports fan where, like, if it's a big enough game for me to tailgate, it's a big enough game for me to be at. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and may, like I said, maybe it's the age. Maybe it's it's laziness. And, you know, I can't run it like I used to. But, yeah, you, if, if you're getting down there, you, you got to be going in. Like, I'm I'm past the point of, you know, catching a sunburn and being hung over by halftime and asleep on somebody's couch in their apartment, you know? <laughs> so true. 
But luckily with that 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 crowd I think was a bit weeded out yesterday because of time of year. Time of year, Tuesday night, but we saw a lot of Santas down there. I mean, I think I think the energy was still still pretty good. I mean, not great, but but pretty good for a Tuesday night with the holiday being this week and you know, everybody's chipper and merry. You got Santa coming to town and, and we saw a number of Santas in the parking lots, in the stadium. Um so yeah, there there was still some juice. We saw one Santa in particular that um I think a father had three young uh you know, good looking daughters and um I guess they were what college age, I guess, and and he said, Get a picture with Philly Santa. And little did you know, Philly Santa was the maniac. So big shout out to the maniac. He was down there in full, you know, full attire with the beard, taking pictures, and people were calling him Philly Santa. Yeah, Philly Santa. You know, he's floating around that down there, shooting up his content, mixing it up with the people. But, you know, lo and behold, Dallas Goddard slides and takes the knee to, to seal the game you know, right around the two-minute warning, and we're busting our ass out of the stadium, and we got the maniac on the horn. Philly Santa had no sleigh. He needed a ride home. <laughs> Mrs. Claus wasn't answering the phone. The, the sleigh was down, so we had to roll back in G's roller. He rolled back with G and Bomb and, and our good buddy Juice. Um, yeah, but Philly Santa. The celeb sighting, and uh, you know, it was a, it was an honor and a privilege to to have him in the back of my vehicle, heading back to the Burbs on Tuesday night. But I mean, might as well just get to the game. I mean, let's just let's just go takeaways. I mean, fi- fire it off, Bob. I, I know I know you're ready to go. Just what did you see out there? What were your main takeaways, and what do you want to get into? I got I I'm gonna go all night. I mean, I plugged my my MacBook in. It's fully juiced. Uh, I'm ready to rock. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to debate. From everything I've heard today, from the the fan kind of reaction to the game on, on your traditional bullshit sports talk radio, could not be more wrong. I came away walking out of that stadium. I felt like I watched a different game than everybody else. I got home. I flipped on the you know, ESPN and saw the stats and, you know, cause you don't have a box score when you're sitting at the game, watching it. All you're doing is watching all 22 guys from where we're sitting. We see all 22, you see the entire field, you see the decision-making particularly of your own quarterback. My takeaway is I'm, I'm ready to say it. Jalen hurts. Ain't it. He's not the guy you might, you're, you might be able to win with him. You might be able to play with him for a couple years and keep him on that, that short rookie contract. But it's not going to be anything more than that. I, I've seen enough. I've seen enough to know that that he's not the guy. And then I come home and it's ESPN pumping him up. And uh, who is it? Rob Ninkovich. Man, Jalen Hurts carried this team tonight. He is their franchise QB. And I just feel like I watched a different game. Reed's, uh, you know, Reed's being uh, missed. Uh, wide open receivers running down the field and just totally not even being thrown to. Um, and yeah, the stats look good and fantasy looks good. And I think fantasy has kind of brainwashed everybody into thinking what a good player is. But that that's takeaway number one. And I know we talked a bit about it last night. We'd love to get your honest take after now watching him live versus on TV. For sure. I think, I mean, I'm not ready to go franchise. That's, that's a huge, 
you know, label or tag to put on a guy. Um, the first quarter, he was atrocious. I mean, Goddard drops that ball, goes off the foot. Like, that wasn't Hurts' fault. Um, but he had the fumble, you know, later in the quarter, early in the first half. I believe it was still the first quarter. But, you know, you can't be turning the ball over in December when, when you're on a drive and, and killing a good drive. I mean, luckily they were playing Washington. And, you know, you can come back from that. But it was nice to be in the stadium and have that all 22 view because there, the especially the play, the play where Devontae Smith came back and made that awesome catch on the sidelines. Um, he was open for six on the initial like yep. route and, and read by Hertz. Um, and he, he just didn't pull the trigger. And we've seen that throughout the season that he gets a little trigger shy, especially on, uh, you know, I guess a little bit riskier plays. Uh, and deep balls, but I think after the first quarter, he settled in nicely. He he made a lot of nice intermediate throws. Um, he probably threw his best deep ball of the year on the on the play to Goddard, where Goddard went up and made a really nice play on the ball. I thought the throw to Greg Ward uh, late in the game for that touchdown back shoulder that was a really good throw, and I believe he made that on the run. So I'm not I'm not as negative, I guess, as you at this point. Um, but I can see why you feel the way you feel because I, I was there and obviously the first quarter was trash and then I didn't feel as great as everybody else did um, after the rest of the game. But I did I did come home and this morning, it's it's Wednesday, Wednesday morning, I had to watch the, the highlights, you know, to see are these like, why are these people saying he played so great? And I, I think it did do it justice to watch watch the highlights and, and not, you know, just hold my uh, takeaways from the stadium. I, th- I think he did play pretty well aside from that first quarter. Yeah, the thing is, I'm I'm starting to piece together kind of a mosaic of how he plays because I've been there live. Like, obviously, I'm watching every away game on TV, right? And then I've been there live. And, like, the Chargers game is a great example. Like, he played relatively speaking, a, a pretty solid game, like kept them in it. Um, you know, if you remember that game had a bunch of scrambles where he like sacrificed his body for f- a first down. And like in that same, on those same types of plays, he he had guys running wide open and it's less for me. Like, like, you know, I'm like a hurts. Like I want him to be the guy. Um, I'm not rooting for him to fail. on like, on like number 11. Um, but it's, it's more a matter of, I don't even really have questions about his arm. I just have questions about like the reads and the decision-making at this point. And maybe that comes with time and maybe he's being coached in a certain way to where he's, he's looking at kind of the short, short to long. Um, but like that, that Goddard play, not the one you were referencing, but he hit Goddard on a crosser, uh, probably a 15 to 20 yard throw. There was a free safety that came in and walloped Goddard right after he caught the ball. And that safety had, had deep responsibility for the receiver that was running a go route. And obviously he's breaking on the ball because it's towards Goddard. But I think if he lays it out there, I forget who it was, whether it was Watkins or Rager, but that was one. You already mentioned the Devonte Smith, incredible catch that, that really should have been six. Had he seen him break open? There was another one where Smith was lined up in the backfield, similar to, to how Alabama kind of used him with Sarkeesian. Um, running kind of a swing route towards the pylon in the end zone. And he was open there too. So I just I just have to wonder when when you have 
your receivers where you, you would assume they're the primary target, particularly when you have Smith in the backfield, like it's some sort of a gadget, some sort of a gimmick. Like, how is it you're not throwing it to him there? Yeah, that's something they definitely put in like over the bye week to to get him open, get him in space. Like that's got to be the initial read. But I think we were talking in the stands and, and we coined coined it. I mean, if you're Hurts and with the lack of of depth of receivers on this team, like it's a it's a th- it's a quick three read process for him when he yep. drops back. It's S G R Smith mm-hmm. Goddard run like that's it. Yeah, and he's glancing at those guys like he's not coming back. He's not going Smith. Oh, he's covered initially. Goddard back to Smith. You know what I mean? Because um, I think some of these guys are 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 kind of breaking open late. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to hammer the guy. He looked like he responded. Obviously, we're in the stadium. I didn't see Sirianni ripping him a new ass. But when I came home and saw that and then saw what he did after that, you know, that gives you a lot of confidence in this guy's ability to uh, to hopefully grow and, and continue to uh, to evolve as a player. I, I just I'm not sold on saying this guy's the franchise guy. And, and the reason I say that is because we we were talking, right? Like if a guy like Aaron Rodgers becomes available in the offseason, like, you know what you do? You give him five years, 150 million. You say, thank you very much. And you hope you catch lightning in the bottle like the Bucks. You know, beyond that, yeah, I'm willing to ride with Hurts. But a franchise guy is like a Brady or a Rodgers or a Mahomes, a guy that you, like, literally commit to. You build your roster around. I don't quite see that with Hurts. Like, I see Hurts as a guy who you can win with. Uh, maybe you're able to catch lightning in the bottle. But by and large, you'll be a playoff team. You'll be a team that maybe contends a bit but you'll never be that one seed that gets a buy and has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. No, totally agree. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's naive and extreme to, to go franchise on this guy. And I, I think your point is valid because you're being critical um, and you obviously want to see the guy succeed. Now, why do we want to see this guy succeed? Because it's obvious that he's a great leader. It's obvious yep. that, you know, these guys play for him as teammates and he's on a, he's on the uh, the same page with Kelsey, you know. The, the line always knows what they're doing. Um, they, you know, they get everything squared away pre-snap. There's not a lot of BS going on. And, uh, fuck, what was I going to say? And I think just respond- him as a leader. Yeah, and, and he responds well to coaching. Like, like you said, Sirianni ripped him a new one la- last night. Tuesday night and uh, after a slow start and he responded and, and he, he played well the rest of the game. So those are all the things that you look for in a guy. It's just whether can he process what he's seeing down the field? Can, yep. You know, can he make all the throws? And I think he's improving every week, um, but it's just not to the point where you're just ready to tab him for, for years to come. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, you know, Sirianni, we, we've brought up him ripping hurts a new one. I mean, that's a side of a coach we haven't seen in years. Like I, I can't remember Doug really ever, you know, cause Doug was always a player's coach and, and not that Sirianni isn't, but Doug really, you know, went out of his way to kind of not say much to the media, not really rip guys, like always supported guys, 
he may have said some things behind closed doors. Reed was always kind of the same way. Um, but man, I mean, do you know how like how encouraging that was to see? Like, because we, we I didn't see it in the stadium, but to come home and see Sirianni just blow a gasket after that fumble. I mean, we were all going nuts. Like you, you're you're facing a depleted roster in a must-win game at home, off the bye, and that's your start, right? Interception, not his fault. It's on Goddard. Um, fumble, down 10 nothing, And to see your head coach rip a guy, I mean, I, I like that. I mean, I'm, 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 week after week, I begin to, I'm, I'm beginning to feel more encouraged by Sirianni. I, I really think he's growing into the role of head coach here before our eyes. I feel the same way, 100%. He's gotten better as the season's gone on. He's he's adjusted. Um, I mean, it's tough to start the way that they did on Tuesday night after two weeks off. Um, but I think, you know, the Goddard play plays into that a little bit. And then Jalen Hurts just being careless on the fumble. But, you know, they were moving the ball. They had, had good looks early. So I think the game plan was solid from the jump. And, yeah, I mean – for him to be able to rip hurts and then he comes out to the media after and they're asking him about it. he's just like you know we're honest with each other we have a great relationship like that's that's what you need to see between QB1 and your head coach and I like it did you hear what hurts said about it after the game I didn't so it was it was incredible i mean he had like a 1 minute you know kind of quote about asking how he felt about being ripped mid game and uh all he said was, look, I, I'm the uh, the son of a coach. He goes, uh, anybody who's ever been coached by their father knows how this works. And back in the day when my dad coached me, you know, he didn't just rip me on the sidelines. <laughs> I had to live with the guy. <laughs> yeah, ripped him on the whole car ride home every day in the house. And think about Saban, too. I mean, Saban is if – you, if you're on Bama and you're, you fuck up, like – Yep, you're here. You're hearing all about it. So, I think that's a great job by Sirianni to kind of know that Hurts is a guy that can can take it and, and might need it at times, like he did on Tuesday night. Well, some guys need a need a pat on the ass, and some guys need you know a, a, a scream in the face, and not not that you respond the same way to every every piece of feedback, but man, if Hurts is one of these like fire you up scream in the face type of guys like i love that man like this guy needs like i just love the fact that that sirianni can get in his face and like bitch at him and like he comes back and really you know starts to to change the way he's playing i know he's he's really got like all those intangibles that you look for in a guy and uh you know we love that in philly like all that stuff that he's bringing now he's just got to continue to grow as a passer and processing defenses and decision-making and not be so shy on the trigger sometimes. Like, just go out there and let it rip. So so you, br- you brought up Philly, right, just in the context of, of Hurts and kind of his makeup and the kind of guy that he is. Um, we talked a few weeks ago about the fact that maybe these top draft picks, you know, who co- come into Philadelphia need to be psychoanalyzed before, uh, before signing their deal or before being drafted. Maybe we're we're just drafting the wrong type of guy. Like maybe we just should be targeting like top talents who were coached by like their hard ass fathers. Because like you know they they've been ripped, you know they've been yelled at, screamed at, um, bitched at, and like that's pretty much what our fans do. 
hundred percent. And you know, you talk about guys that respond to that, and then you talk about guys that that need to be patted on the ass. <laughs> well, how about your boy eighteen? I mean, can we talk I, about can we can we talk about what ha- what happened down at the stadium, like the first the first punt return, first punt return, first appearance for Jalen Rager at the link since dropping those two potentially game winner touchdowns in the Meadowlands against uh, against the Giants. And this guy trots out for a punt return in the first quarter, and man, the Philly faithful let him hear it. Now return, uh, now returning the punts for the Philadelphia Eagles, number eighteen, Jalen Rager. Boo, boo. <laughs> I mean, I was, I'm a boo guy. I'll boo till I lose my voice. I was caught off guard by the boo, and then right. I reflected on it, and I was like, "This is," and and then I thought back. Gee, I thought back to the types of people who are at games in December. It's a 55-year-old guy who's drinking bourbon, who knows football, who's tired of the shit that he just watched on TV for the past three months, and he's coming down there to boo his heart out. It's not the teeny boppers. It's not the pick swappers. It's not the crop toppers. It's football guys coming down and booing their hearts out. And I, I was I was so pumped to see that because I thought Philly – was getting a little neutered. I think the the town was getting a little soft on how we treat these guys, how they treated Wentz, how they treated baby Ben. And it's nice to see them getting on a first round pick like Rager. I have to, I loved it. I was booing. Like that's, that's why you get off the couch and go down on Tuesday night. Let your your voice voice heard. Let your voice be heard. You know, you suffered through September, October, November, and we're in a position to make the playoffs and and have have a decent season. And and this guy's been holding us back. I mean, really, the sole le- reason. Well, I shouldn't say the sole reason because the Eagles were absolutely atrocious in that first Giants game. But he could have he could have dug us out of that hole and won us that game. So you you got to let him hear it, and you got to let Howie hear it. Yeah, and I, I heard that's Howie's today on. I heard today on the radio people people were talking about uh you know how wrong it is to boo to boo Rager before he touches the ball in the game because it's going to mess with his psyche. And, and you just compare and contrast that with Sirianni ripping ripping hurts right in his face. And you just you just you just shake your head. I mean, if this guy can't if this guy doesn't understand that he's a bum and that he's going to be treated as a bum, then um I don't know what to tell you. And you know, I don't know if you want to bring up the the Miles Sanders tweet and talk about that, but we could jump into that now um, because I thought that was interesting after after the game. Yeah, I guess it was uh, Tuesday night after the game, and and Miles put out some tweet. Um, you know, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he said something about like fans don't boo the players. We put our heart and soul into this. Yeah, just a pathetic tweet with like a black heart. Um, and uh, I thought the best the best response to his tweet was a guy at Weight Chain. He responded to Booby Miles. He said, "We're not booing players. We're booing Rager Greenheart." <laughs> <laughs> and then you you get I don't know if these people are like real real people, but like you know you get these other idiots who like respond and. You know, the one guy responded, all of these Rager haters should Google an Eagles wide receiver named Chris Carter. How did he end up? 
Like, buddy, we didn't run Chris Carter out of town. The guy had, like, serious issues off the field. What are you talking about? Yeah, and I mean, that's a lot for, for Sanders to put out, too, given, I mean, he had an, a nice game. I mean, I think anybody that was getting the ball behind that O-line Tuesday night was going to have a nice game, but wasn't there a play where, like, he almost put the ball on the ground again? Two or three times late in the game. In fact, I think they put Howard in at the end of the game because Sanders drops the ball, like, the minute the knee goes down or the, or, the, or the elbow goes down. And, like, for him, I mean, buddy, like, you're not – if you think you're defending your teammate, just remember, buddy, like, you're not above being booed, like – you fumble this the the football in another big moment, you'll hear it too, pal. Yeah, and like he talks about, oh, we put our heart and soul into this. Yeah, you put your heart and soul into it, and you get your pockets filled by guys like me and Bomb that fucking watch this shit all year, every year, and we rarely, I mean, thank God for the Super Bowl because we hardly ever get rewarded for spending time and being fans of this team. Yet we're down there paying our hard-earned cash to fill your pocket, and you're telling us what we can and can't do? It's a disgrace. And then you got your boy, Big Play Slay, responding. He quote-tweeted Miles Sanders and and responded and said, please stop, exclamation point, exclamation point. Uh, Mr. I am DJ Eastwood. So he's got a Twitch. The Twitch uh, channel is Run It Back Philly. He responded to Big Play Slay, and he said, Stop crying. Middle-class people spend a lot of money to support the team. When a player like Rager shows blatant lack of effort and heart, he gets booed. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Darius Slay responds to him. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people spend a lot of money where, where you work, too. So we go come in there and boo your ass. <laughs> I mean, we are the customers, and this is how we're being treated. I mean, this is a 7-7... Seven and seven. This isn't this isn't an eleven and four football team. They're fucking seven and seven. Yeah, I I almost compare it to like going out to dinner and you get like a really shitty meal and really shitty service, and you don't leave a tip or you leave like a five percent tip. Um, which by the way, I I don't I don't know that I condone that. Like I'll take something off the tip if something's really bad, but as, as long as the effort is there. From the server, like you give them twenty percent. You know, people are bust are yeah. bust if they're busting their ass. Yep. But like that would be like going to a restaurant, getting a shitty meal, getting a shitty server that doesn't care. And then when you don't leave a tip or you leave a shitty tip, they're bitching at you. It's like you, you didn't do your job. Yeah. That's all I'm asking. Is is do your job, do it with some passion, act like you care, and and be worthy of, of what you're doing. And I told you this Rager, I like, I also think he's a little bit, something's going on with the game plan where he's being featured too much. Like, I don't know if he's talking to coach or if how he's talking to Sirianni, but I told you there was a tell down at the goal line where I called out the play call as they were getting set up. So they have the, the Sanders run down to the five. And I noticed Rager, like it's the most hustle the guy's ever, ever fucking shown on a football field. He's picking up one of his receivers who was downfield blocking and like basically doing a prom pose with him with his hands around his hips, moving him back into position on the line of scrimmage so Rager Rager can stand behind him. And I'm looking at like the vigor in which he's helping up his teammate. It's like the most vigor I've ever seen from Jalen Rager on the football field. I turn to you. I go, where do you see this? This will be a fucking bubble screen 
to Rager. It'll get blown up. He'll fumble with something. So, you know, he didn't fumble it, but he, he catches his bubble screen with a tunnel to the end zone. And he like fucking darts to the right at the same fucking bullshit move that he does on punt returns where he just takes a, a hard. He might as well put a turn signal on his fucking right ass cheek. He just takes a fucking hard right out of bounds. That's what he does. So he catches this little bubble screen and he gets three yards and goes down. And I just looked at you. I said, I can't believe it. This guy's got to tell. He's got to tell. So any defensive coordinator out there, not that you need it because of how bad the fucking guy is, but you know exactly when he's going to get the ball because he gets all like hyper. He's like the Penn State offense. I mean, there were, yeah. there, there was a uh, an article that came out at some point in the year where a player on Villanova, FCS Villanova, knew that Penn State was going to run or pass. But that's besides the fact or besides the point. And you look at the play. I think it was the play before the Greg Ward touchdown or like earlier on that drive. I could be mm-hmm. wrong, but there was another play where Rager caught the ball in space and he had Lane Johnson blocking for him. And all he had to do was cut it inside and just let Johnson like take out the last defensive back and he would have walked into the end zone. Instead, he just avoids contact and goes out to the right and the DB beats Johnson and forces Rager out of bounds. Like first round pick, this guy's got no vision. He's got no like IQ. He he was solely picked because he looked fast in pads, I guess. Or in just a, you know, a, sw- a swimsuit, like a, those fucking, you know, Speedos that they wear at the at the combine. But like, don't these guys want to get to the house? I mean, I even look at Sanders. There there was a play. Um, oh. I don't know if it was a goal to go or like they were coming on like the 15. And I think it ended up with like a Hertz, one of the Hertz sneak touchdowns. But I mean, he had a gaping hole. And like, you can't see the holes when you watch on TV from like the camera angle. But, man, where we were sitting, it was like the fucking Red Sea being parted for this guy to to run up. <laughs> and if he just, like, gets completely vertical and puts his shoulder into a defensive back, he would easily just walk into the end zone or roll into the end zone. No, he gets east-west and ends up at, like, the two or the three. Yeah, he had, he had a couple runs that were a little questionable. I don't know if you remember the big one that, that went down the field and, and he had Kelsey out in space on a – on a uh, a defender and Kelsey engages the guy but Sanders ends up running the wrong direction to where he actually brought the defender into play gets tackled by the defender and Kelsey's still running down the field with his hands in the air like basically saying through body language like dude what the fuck are you doing yeah I mean we, it's just lack of I don't know awareness or like I can't imagine that these guys are getting coached this way like, because you want to take it to the crib, man. But these guys just bring the defender back into play when they've got freaking Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey leading the way, making it easy for you. Yeah, it's so bad. I mean, and you know, it's tough to bitch when you run for 200 yards and they run the, you know, the amount that they do. But you're right. It's like this O-line, the, the holes that they're creating are historic. I mean, it's gate. You could drive a freaking 18-wheeler. You know, the, the freaking O-line, could, you could go relocate them over to the port of Los Angeles and, and all the all the freaking ships that need to be unloaded with all the supply chain issues. And there'd be gaping holes for these truck drivers to just fucking drive through. It's unbelievable, even with backups. And, 
And, and, you know, you look at the stats, you go, well, they're really running it well. But then you look at, like, the decisions that the backs are making. And it's one of the reasons why I think Howard is so good. Granted, he's not going to – he's not going to uh, kind of bust one for, like, a 80-yard run. But he sets up the blocks. He gets north and south. I think it's one of the reasons why he, he's so effective. He moves the sticks at will. And, yeah, he doesn't have the breakaway speed. But, man, if, if the, the play is blocked right, he's getting 8 to 12 yards. But, you know, we we, we exp- uh, expend or whatever you want to say, we use these assets to, to bring in Ragers and Sanders. And, like, these guys are just, like, kind of soft. And, you know, instead of figuring out which way to fucking run uh, when you're one-on-one with a D-back and you have an offensive lineman in front of you, they're, they're taking to Twitter after the game saying, don't boo. Why don't you figure out which fucking way to run, dude? It's so bad, and Rager liked the tweet, and big play slays responded. It's like, oh, man. You know, the only thing that gives me solace here is that you're not hearing that coming from Sirianni, so it's not coming from the top. You're not hearing it coming from Hertz. Clearly, that that guy likes to be held accountable. You're not hearing it from Devontae Smith. Like, the guys that, that you're, you know, supposedly trying to build around, it's not coming from them. It's coming from a hired gun and slay. It's coming from a soft-ass running back that played second fiddle to Saquon, and it's coming from soft-ass Jalen Rager. And that's all that matters. That's right. Anything else on the game? No. I mean, the only other thing I wanted to say about the game was some of the stuff that, I guess, Sirianni put in over the bye. We talked about uh, we talked about featuring Smith in the backfield on some of these some of these routes, uh, like, like that little... Uh, you know, little uh, little route that he ran out out to the out to the pylon. Um, we also saw Darius Slay featured on offense, and uh, they had him in motion. I believe they ran the ball and ended up kind of using Slay as you know, kind of a decoy. But man, if that doesn't tell you how they feel about Jalen Rager, I don't know what will. Like Jalen Rager's supposed to be your speed guy, supposed to be your speed demon, supposed to be a guy that's like. You know, supposed to take the top off a of defense, and like you would think, putting him in motion down near the goal line is going to strike the fear of God in these teams. You know, if he's act, if he actually is what, what what he thinks he is, and what the Eagles organization thinks he is, nah, they're bringing in a freaking washed 31, 32 year old DB to put in motion down near the goal line. I thought that was interesting. Like, so that wasn't really my takeaway when I saw Slay, and like. I've made it known that that I'm not super high on Slay, and he got burned by McLaurin last night. He got burned on that uh, that play down to the one. It was like a uh, play-action rollout, and the tight end got behind him. But I thought it was kind of neat that they brought him in. Like, you know, you only really see that in college where they bring in, like, defensive guys, especially, like, at the skill position. Like, you, you, you get the big man touchdown and whatnot in the NFL from time to time at the goal line, but – just in terms of like team chemistry and, you know, Sirianni kind of yucking it up with the guys, like he's showing that he's holding like Hertz accountable. And, and then with that, like he's showing like, all right, if you want to be on the field, like this is what you got to do. And like he, get, he gave it a chance. I mean, it wasn't any like big play or touchdown or anything, but I just think that like that kind of bodes well for like the vibe and like the camaraderie of the team, like that they're, having internal competition and like, 
throw him on the field. I, I, I don't know. I, th- I, th- I just think it's interesting. I don't disagree. In fact, I, I wholeheartedly agree. But the fact that you ne- the fact that you need to feature a guy like that down near the goal line, like the fact that you're not shutting that down to be like Darius, you're not going to play offense. We have, you know, Devontae Smith. We have burner two. We have burner three. Like, you know, we need you healthy and, and guarding Terry McLaren. Like, I, I get that it's like a cool wrinkle and like, you know, it helps with like the offensive defensive like chemistry. But like, it's such an indictment of like the skill players they have. Yeah, well, all we got is SGR, man. That's it. Smith, Goddard, run. That's it. And speaking of Goddard, I mean, you got on me for getting on him after <laughs> the, uh, I guess it was the Giants game and the, and the end of the Saints game. I know he had a drop in there too. And then he went off against the Jets. But, you know, that first series, the guy gifts Washington seven points and I'm up in the stands yelling, fucking Goddard. And you're just cracking up. I and, lost it. I he, lost it. And he had another drop on like a really nice setup, tight end screen. He had the blockers out in front, hit him right in the hands. He dropped it. I believe it was third down and it killed another drive. So I'm not here killing Goddard. He had a he had a huge game. He gets open. He blocks. He's a good tight end. But when it hits you right in the fucking hands, you got to catch it, man. And like, I don't need people standing up for his ass when he when he's dropping these balls and killing these drives that's so true i mean his recently i'll say that like i don't remember him having a drop issue in past years and maybe some of that is just because Ertz was the featured tight end who like literally dropped nearly not like nothing like Ertz was so sure-handed um but i don't really recall like goddard dropping the ball and then, yeah, he's had a couple drops in recent weeks, had the big game against the Jets, and, I, you know, we, we kind of p- poked a little fun at, at your Goddard take. And just to be down there with you, like, at the game, off the bye, you know, sitting there and, like, literally the first third down play is, like, this this drop by Goddard. And you're, like, you're going berserk. Like, it's fucking Goddard. I can't believe it. And, like, we thought, like, we're going berserk because it was, like, a three and out and a punt. And next thing you know, the officials are congregating at the Washington sideline. And people are talking, oh, it was picked off. <laughs> you fucking blew a gasket. But it's always fucking Goddard. Dude, well, we were sitting there. And that's the tough part about being at the game. Like, it's nice to have the all-22 view if you're up a little higher. So, you know, there's pros and cons of being at the game and being at home. But... After that play, like, the Washington players, like, there was a pack of, like, 10 or 15 players standing on that sideline, like, right where the play had happened, and they're, like, jumping around and dancing. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on in this stadium right now? Like, I just thought I was waiting for the punt team to come out, kick it down, move on, and these guys are out there dancing. And then, lo and behold, like, people around us are like, yeah, that got picked off. I was like, you got to be kidding. Yeah, that was that was so funny. But, I mean, you can say that Goddard is good, but he needs to catch those balls. I think that's all I'm trying to say. And on a team where you're 7-7 seven and seven and you're scratching and clawing to, to move the ball on a lot of these drives, like, earn that fucking new contract, dude. Catch the goddamn ball. That's all I'm trying to say. No, and that can't happen. I mean, you're off the bye. You're, you're, you got to get up early on a team – a team that that is totally decimated by 
you know, guys out with, with positive tests. And you, you, you need to go out and score early and put your foot right on their throat. You know, really grab the team by the balls and just end the night. What do the Eagles do? Nah, they get down 10 nothing and have to scrap and claw, and everybody feels great about it, which I get it. A win's a win. Words of Andy Reid, you know, be happy, man. It's a win. But, you know, that start from the team, largely from Goddard, right, because that was that's what set everything in motion. You can't have that if you're gonna if you're gonna be a winning football team. It's hard to win games in this league, man. <laughs> Darn right it is. Yeah, but no, I mean, uh, there's not much to say about the defense. I mean, we know it's not great, um, but you just look at like the last the last few weeks. I mean, they they held the Giants to what 13, but there was times when Daniel Jones, uh, R.I.P. to his season, but he was. You know, picking them apart a little bit, and then you had Zach Wilson lead the Jets to three straight touchdown drives to open the game against the Jets, and then you know there were, again there was times last night when you got Gilbert standing back there and picking them apart and hitting deep shots, and guys are running wide open on bootlegs. Like the defense is is not good, and I mean I, I want to see them get into the playoffs and everything, but. I mean, my God, could you imagine this defense up in Lambeau Field in January with Rodgers standing back there? Yeah, you just got to hope and pray that, uh, you know, that Green Bay gets the one. Um, I would not want to see that. That would be that would be like a 40 to 10 game. But, uh, you, you know, you just never know. Not that you want to play like Brady and you know, some of these other QBs, but <clears throat> one of the reasons why you just have to get in and, like, you know, make the playoffs is because, a lot of the teams ahead of them are really getting bit by the injury bug, like badly. And you just never know. Maybe you're at, maybe you could, you could get to a divisional round or, you know, God forbid an NFC championship game and you get there and maybe like these young guys start believing and, you know, play the games of their lives. I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree that that defense against Rogers at Lambeau field would be, it would it would look like the fucking cheese heads that 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 the fans have on their head. Fucking Swiss cheese, just easy breezy. Rogers just stepping back and flicking the ball down the field. It would be so ugly. I hate to say it, but but it would be. Um, but I mean, I, I'll leave it at that for me with with the game. You got anything else? Now I want to start. I I've been on this bandwagon for a few weeks now. We need to start the Aaron Rodgers to Philly movement. I know. I've been hearing all about it. I mean, I don't care what it would. It would, would he take five years, two hundred million? Couldn't tell you, but it's worth a shot. And I, I mean, I'll just say this. I mean, we talked about it, and you, you look at the NFL, and I mean, you're even talking about right now with the Eagles, like you know, teams having some tough injury luck. You look at the Bucks; they got wiped out uh, the other night, but. Everybody talks about this build and this is a rebuilding year and you got to build this way and build that way. Like you just need a fucking elite quarterback and then you build around that and you can do it in a year or two. I mean, you look at obviously what the Bucs did with Brady, like, and then you look at teams like the Rams, like, and they've given up so many draft picks to build and they've acquired all these guys. And they, they haven't won shit. They're not even winning their division. So, like, I like can you really think of a program or, like, a, an organization in the NFL that, you know, 
was at the bottom of the barrel and so-called built to like no. consistent success. No, even the even the Super Bowl the Eagles won, it wasn't really a build. It was like a re it was a reboot from you know how he did some things after Chip left and they drafted a quarterback that that had a a, a big second year. Right. And that and that's the reason why they were in the position they were in. And, and we know we know Foles did the job and Eleven wouldn't have done the job. So there's there's some of that. But it wasn't really a build. They were bringing in veterans. I mean, they had Alshon Jeffrey on the outside. They had Torrey Smith on the outside. There was no real build to it. And what you need is a signal caller who can get the ball down the field, get the ball out quick, makes hopefully make some plays, extend some plays with, with the legs if needed, as needed. Or just get the ball out and don't take sacks. If you, if you have a quarterback that doesn't make negative plays in the in the passing game and can get the ball out and, and feed the the skill players, you're in pretty good shape. There's no such thing as like a build. I mean, the fucking Cleveland Browns have been building for what? How long? Right? They traded all them. They traded Trent Richardson, who was a stiff, the running back, for what? Three first against uh, 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 from, from Indianapolis back in the day. Like they were talking about the build, the build. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. They don't win shit because they don't have a quarterback. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm open to it, unless you see something out of Hertz the rest of this year that you haven't seen, and, and no. even then, and even then, I'm still asking the question, like, yeah, if he is comes this guy to Philly, available, yeah, if he's available and he and he's and he's open to coming to Philly, hand him the checkbook and just say, you write in the number, pal. Seriously. But I I don't know. I don't know if he'll be available because, I mean, obviously Green Bay's having a great year and I'm seeing him on the, you know, the post-game interview with Aaron Andrews and he's laughing and talking about how great the team chemistry is and how much fun he's having. So maybe uh, maybe maybe things have, have been patched up in Green Bay for, for Rodgers, but we'll see. I mean, would you orchestrate a trade with Green Bay? I think he's a free agent right at the end of the year. I believe so. What if you what if you told Rodgers, hey, sign here? Um and Gre- and Green Bay's in bad shape. We'll, we'll trade you. Hertz, we'll trade Green Bay. If you sign here, you orchestrate this trade. Hertz and Sirianni for LaFleur. And you basically bring his head coach in. You have him, you know, be the QB. I mean, let's go. I don't think that that's just like unnecessary. Rodgers doesn't need LaFleur. I mean, LaFleur what if he, what Rogers. if he likes LaFleur? What if that's a bit like what I'm saying is I'm willing to move mountains to get this guy here. Like if if the coach is an issue, see ya. Like we'll tra- we'll, we'll swap it. Like that's what I'm saying. I don't think teams do enough to like go out of their way to get legendary quarterbacks. I got you. I got nothing else on that. Nah. So we'll look forward to to Sunday. We got the Eagles hosting the Giants on the short week. Uh, Eagles are sitting just outside that last wild card spot. Uh, I guess they're down on the tiebreaker to Minnesota, who's sitting at seven and seven. The Saints are sitting at seven and seven as well. Um, so the Eagles Eagles got some work to do. They got to win at least two or three here uh, with the Giants, and then Washington and Dallas again. Uh, Minnesota has the Rams this week. And then they go to Lambeau Field and close with the Bears. So a couple tough Lambeau? games for them. Lambeau, then the Bears? Yeah. Got it. And the Saints close with Miami, Carolina, and the Falcons. So 
I mean, if we're if we're going to be counting on somebody else's losses, I would think it's going to be Minnesota's. But I mean, the Saints aren't very good, so they could lose any of those games as well. I mean, the Eagles have to win out. You got you got to be sitting in the clubhouse at ten wins. That would make it the path of least resistance, that's for sure. But we never get that in Philly either. No, it'll be some mega tiebreaker, you know, needing six losses and a point differential on the last fucking Sunday of the year. Goddamn. Um, I mean, why don't we recap Fade the Shade? It's been a little bit since we've gone there. <laughs> we, we had an extensive uh, week 15 with some picks on Sunday and some picks on, on Monday and Tuesday. I finished week 15 at 3-2 and two to bring me to 36-33 and 33 on the year. And bomb, you finished week fifteen at three and three to go to thirty four and thirty six on the year. So not too shabby. You you know you made some some headway back with the with the later games on Monday and Tuesday. Um, but speaking of gambling, I mean let's let's talk about the college football <laughs> bowl pick'em that we've got going with uh, a bunch of friends and supporters of the pod. Um, we're three twelve bowl games, folks, and your boy G is sitting in dead last at one and eleven. It's I think that brings you to twenty three and fifty one on the year in college. I mean, it's just disgusting. I mean, we've been talking about it like dude, that's a thirty that's a thirty one percent winning percentage. I that can't is, even fade myself right now. That's fucking historic. Like if you hear these guys on TV or like these guys on social media and say they're winning, like what, what, what what's like outrageous, like 57% of the bets. Yeah. Yeah. You're losing 69% of the bets. I mean, you, you could monetize your ineptitude. We might have to start, start the pitch on that. <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, I mean, three to 12 bowl games. I'm at one eleven, all the way at the bottom. Bomb is at four and eight. He's got his work cut out for him. I believe our first place, we got three guys up at the top at nine and three. Is that correct? Two guys at the top, nine and three. Two uh, at the top, two nine and three. Four. Yeah, so I would say we're probably about maybe a quarter or a third of the way through uh, the bowl games, and there's a little extra juice on the semifinal games and the national championship. So if you're, uh, if you're a little bit closer than I am to the top, you still got hope. I don't think I do, um, but we're looking forward here Tuesday night to the Armed Forces Bowl to get back on track. We got Missouri versus Army, and Wednesday night we got two games. We got the Frisco Football Classic, North Texas. Talk much. North Texas versus Miami of Ohio, and the Gasparilla Bowl between UCF, Central Florida, and the Florida Gators. So three games here, um, you know, as as we head into to Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and then, you know, New Year's week will really hit the heart of, of some of these big games. Yeah, can't wait. I mean, best time of year. Best time of year. We got the bowls. We got I mean, New Year's Eve is gonna be lit this year, dude, with those with those semis. Woohoo. Is it gonna be lit or are you just gonna be like planted somewhere glued to the TV? That's my definition of lit. Okay. My definition of lit is like not getting popped for 200 bucks to come down to Philadelphia and 
and drink at an open bar with food that you're not going to eat and a champagne toast sandwiched in like sardines in some fucking shithole bar. Like, that's not my idea of lit. My idea of lit is you got the buffalo chicken dip warm and ready. You got the CL smoothies in the cooler. You got the TV on. You're ready to fucking go. You're sitting on the couch. There's big football games on. You got the bets in. You're ready to fucking rock. Cincinnati wins outright. We're going to the chip. Like, that's fucking lit. That's what it's all about, man. I agree. We'll look forward to it, but I think we'll come back and, and recap the Giants game, and then we'll uh, we'll give a little little semifinal preview next week, right? Hundred percent. Yeah, have to. Um, anything else to get to tonight, Bob? No. The only the only thing I want to mention is, did you see the behind the scenes? So the NHL is on pause, right? Yep. Did you see the behind the scene video of Joel Farabee doing his uh? His shootout. I did. I did. Wow. Here we go. I wasn't prepared for this tonight, but I'm glad you brought it up. What are your thoughts? Well, I wanted to get your thoughts because I know that you can't stand the shootout and the Flyers stink in the shootout. Hang on. It's not that I can't stand the shootout. It's that I can't stand that our hometown team can't fucking perform in the shootout. Yeah, it's brutal. It's so brutal. Um, Yeah, NHL's on pause. I don't know what's going on. Flyers lost, I think, I want to say two shootouts kind of recently here before the pause. Won the Montreal, who's the worst team in the league. And maybe they didn't lose another one. I think it was just the one to Montreal. But again, worst team in the league. You would think that we have more skill guys and a better goalie. Granted, uh, Montreal's without Carey Price. You would think we would be able to get it done. No, we we don't even score. Um, I think Hart did make a couple stops in that shootout, but yeah, I mean, I think Tuesday the Flyers were... comes rolling in like it's like mites on ice. Like you gotta un you gotta like untangle the bodies. Like it looks like a car crash when he's done his shootout. He's like run. He's like laying on top of the goalie. The puck's back at center ice because he got fucking stuffed. And it's like and, and and everybody's celebrating. They're all coming out on the ice. I mean, you, you got kids. You got ten year olds. Over at Hollydale Ice Arena in New Jersey, playing for the freaking you know who mites on ice that have better moves than these guys, dude. Yeah, I was just getting to uh, back to the the clip as we saw Faraby doing uh-huh. a little little shootout routine um, ahead of the later postponed game that was supposed to happen Tuesday night between the Flyers and the Caps. Um, some pretty silky moves from Faraby and. They've put him in in the shootout um, a little bit in the past, and I think with some success. Um, and, you know, you've seen the hands on the kid. Like, he had a really nice goal against Carolina earlier in the year. Yet we can tr- continue to just trot out Couturier, Drew, and we actually made it to the third shooter against Montreal, and that was Atkinson, and he just fell over the goalie, as you mentioned. Like, I know Faraby was out for a little bit, but, like, that guy – with those moves has got to be a mainstay in the shootout lineup. Well, sure. But my take is totally different than yours. You got a team that's the worst in the league at shootouts. And we have video evidence that they somehow practice it. I mean, it's stunning that they practice this with how inept they are, but 
if you're the Philadelphia Flyers organization, how are you allowing video of your practice to get on the internet and show the exact move that your shooter is going to use? I mean, this team needs everything stacked in their favor to something for something to go in, in their, in their direction in a shootout. And you got the very move that this guy's been practicing on the fucking internet. What are we doing here? Nah, it's unacceptable. I mean, you got, you got to move mountains for anything to go right for that, that team and that franchise. And maybe, maybe Farabee's the secret weapon that they're waiting to unleash in the shootout. And lo and behold, you've got the millions and billions of people on Twitter, all with access to this video of his move. It's to the point now where I'd be willing to try. I'm going to throw out a guy on the roster that you that you you wouldn't even think of to to be a shootout guy. I'd be willing to try Carter Hart. <laughs> and just say, you know what? Are, are you allowed to use the same shooter three times or no? No, no, that's so only I'd, in the Olympics. I'd say if it gets to the third shot, right? It means that if it gets to the third shot and the Flyers haven't scored, it means that Hart stopped too, right? So you got to re- reward the young fella? So then I go, you know what? You're, you're the only guy keeping us in this. Why don't you try to stuff one home? And and I wouldn't even have him take the pads off. Just fucking skate down the ice with the pads and the big stick. Use the goalie stick? Try to stuff one in. No regular stick? Use the big goalie stick? Big goalie stick, yeah. That, that would be a sight to see. I mean, is it is it any less effective than what they're doing now? Absolutely not. So bad. So I don't have the schedule in front of me. I don't know what the implications of this of this pause are. Um, but we'll we'll. I don't even know if I should say we'll look forward to Flyers hockey when when they're back on the ice. But uh, it will happen. They will play more games in the future. Hmm. Did you want to get into, uh, you know, a transaction that was made outside was just, of Link, Lincoln Financial? I was Financial just going to bring it up. On Tuesday night? <laughs> I was just going to bring it up. I am uh, I- I'm here to, you know, admit or uh, present that I'm now a proud owner of a T-shirt being sold outside Lincoln Financial Field um, by a friendly fellow. I had to bargain with him a little bit, um, but I'm now a proud owner of a Ben Simmons dickhead T-shirt. <laughs> it was uh, it was an early Christmas present to myself. Dude, that is... I described it earlier in the year. Did it live up to the description? I mean, how great is that T-shirt? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I have to get it. <laughs> they they literally just took, like, cartoon testicles and, like, photoshopped it to his chin. <laughs> yeah, and then mor- morphed the top of his head to the shape of a dong. <laughs> I, I wasn't like, ready. What's that? I wasn't ready to go into the uh, the complete description. I was just gonna let the the folks see it for for themselves. But yeah, that that is what it is. And, and yeah, it, is, and it, it, is it wasn't them just slapping a picture of Simmons on there. They they, they manipulated the top of his noggin. 
I mean, that's so sad. You got there was somebody somewhere with like, you know, Adobe Photoshop or whatever, like who was hired to be like the Ben Simmons forehead manipulator into the shape of a penis. <laughs> that guy got paid to do a job. I would love to. I would love to have him on the pod. If yeah, you if you're out, guy, if you're out there, reach out, please. Please reach out because we'd love to know what's going through your head as you're manipulating the forehead of Ben Simmons. It's just unbelievable that it's like, has anybody else in this city, like in, in your memory, gotten to the point where that that's how they're portrayed on, on a piece of uh, apparel? <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Dude, that's worse than, so you remember the, uh, the old, uh, the old t-shirts of like the Monday night games against Dallas where they'd sell like the cartoon of somebody pissing on the, on the star or, you know, the vulgarity of the T-shirt, you know. I think that the Simmons one's worse than both of those. That's the that's the most vulgar T-shirt, you know, sports-related T-shirt I've ever seen in my life. I will never wear it. It will never, <laughs> ever be lifted, you know, over my head and, and onto my body. But, you know, maybe in a man cave one day, we'll, we'll, we'll have that maybe framed and hung up. Um, in memory of of baby Ben, you wouldn't wear it like the day he got traded, like to the gym or something. I don't think so. I, they probably I, wouldn't even let you in. No, no, it's a little, uh, it's a little too. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's a, a it's an it's an image, but it's descriptive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for capturing that moment, Bomb. I think uh, I think a lot of people got a chuckle out of that. Ah, uh, it was one of the best videos of the year, especially with you, you know, unfurling the T-shirt in front of the camera after you made the transaction and wishing all of our viewers a, a Merry Christmas. I mean, that was a delight. That's right. I think that's that's all I got for tonight, Bomb. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. Merry Christmas, everybody. Send it over to UG to send us off. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. We will be back next week to wish a Happy New Year as well, but be safe. Enjoy the time with the family. Hope Santa brings you everything you want. Um, oh, got to mention quickly, Spotify. Spotify's got a uh, a rating system out there now for the podcast, so if you're listening on Spotify and you want to throw a rating to Thoughts from the Shade, we would truly appreciate that. If you're on Apple and you haven't done a rating over there yet, we would appreciate that as well. Um, you know, give us a like, a subscribe, follow on Instagram. Shout out to Shamrock Sun and Menard Detailing, our sponsors. Um, and I'll leave it at that. So Merry Christmas, everybody. Go Birds. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.